We're taking a couple steps back and shooting from distance for three for episode three of season number three of Holy Moly in the United States. We're on fire from downtown on the podcast. I'm Tom, or you might know me as Mr. T, and I'm one half of a couple of putts. Coming at you this week, fresh off a Chicago road trip, where Robin and I installed a brand new hole that we had built and designed at the Elmhurst Museum. That show opens on July 7th. And we visit a few new courses we'd never played before that we'll be sharing out about later. You can find all of our mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the Pink Putter at acoupleofputts.com and on social media at Couple Putts. And I'm Pat. Though most people in the holy moly world and the mini golf world at large know me as the Putting Penguin. Together with my friend Mandy, we run the miniature golf course review website and social media outlet, The Putting Penguin. You can find us all over the internet by looking up Putting Penguin, and we can also frequently found at your local mini golf tournaments. This is our 21st episode of the podcast, but in case you're new to our wandering styles, this is the third season of Holy Moly, two in the U.S. and one in Australia, where some form of our show will cover the highs and lows of each episode and give you some other mini golf tidbits along the way. And in case you didn't know, both Pat and I were on season one of Holy Moly. We're keeping it snappy, so I'm going to hand it back over to Pat for a little bit of news before we recap this week's offering. So if you're looking for a unique way to have competitive putting around the house, the Putt 18 World League is starting again in July. In previous episodes, you've heard us talk about the Putt 18 mat, and you can check it out at www.putt18.com.au. But Tom and I are excited again to put our talents up against some excellent putters worldwide. The league's open to anyone who has a mat or access to a mat and are willing to put four rounds on Facebook Live. Feel free to DM us for more information about the league. Now we move on to Holy Moly. Some general reminders on Season 3 before we recap. There's eight competitors who go head-to-head in a bracket one-hole tournament with each match held on a different hole. The episode winner takes home a gold putter, the green plaid jacket, and a chance at the Super Final for $250,000. And since you're listening, don't forget to subscribe, give us a hole-in-one rating, and tell all your Holy Moly-obsessed friends about us. And with that, let's head on over to the Holy Moly Scramble Time and our recap of the matchups. Okay, so teeing up round one, we start with the Holy Matrimony Hole, which is the second time we've seen it this season. We have Bruce, or Brucey, who's our 53-year-old, my favorite person at a ball game, beer vendor, up against Janessa, who's 37, and as far as we can tell, her trait is that she throws heavy things really far. After fails on the obstacle, Brucey drops his second shot to move on after a pretty good tee shot on this hole, so he's the first into the second round. Second hole of round one is another repeat, Agony of Defeat, where we see Nikki, who's 41 and a psychic, up against Justin, who's 38 and a basketball mentor. Justin ekes out the better ball position by about half a foot on his jump and ends up pretty easily winning the hole to make our second person in round two. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about this one on Design Time with Mr. T. Round one continues with another showing of Turfing USA. We have Alex, who's 28 and one of the top 10 women's long drivers in the world. An impressive 377 yards is her best competitive drive. At least I was pretty impressed. 
probably about 200 yards further than I can hit it. <laughs> and she was up against Paradon, who's 22. And while he's pretty good at golf and a lefty putter, I have no idea what this do- dude actually does in real life besides being swaggy P. Of course, he's 22, so he probably doesn't do anything besides golf. Either way, Paradon ends up having a pretty good tee shot, gives a good run on the surfboard for being a Texan boy. Alex really has no chance after a terrible tee shot, so Paradon's into the second round, leaving us teeing up for the final hole of round one, which is the fishing hole. And we see Rachel, who's 30 years old and a rugby player, up against Avery, who's 21, a D1 collegiate golfer, and a fellow podcast host... Hers being named Why You Suck at Golf. Unfortunately, she probably should have named it (laughs) Why I Suck at Mini Golf because she pretty much did. Although Rachel's effort wasn't that much better on this hole, she does manage to have a couple putts in and get herself to the second round. I feel like that's my cue because you just said a couple of putts and I'm going to take on our semifinal where we head over to the Polcano styled Ho 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 where we have Justin who's going off against Paradon. Both of them ended up on the naughty and by a lot into the naughty. But the impressive thing was that Justin actually landed on the pole, saved himself a stroke, ended up two putting from that 45 foot naughty position. And Justin moves on to the finale over on cornhole. After Rachel's amazing almost finish on fishing hole, she actually completes cornhole and Brucey unfortunately does not get slammed. They both take some pretty bad aims at the cup. For fortunately for Rachel, she was able to win on her fourth putt. Brucey goes home and we set up our final. We're over at King Parthur's Court where we have Rachel versus Justin. Rachel is the first person to defeat the knight on King Parthur's Court. She gets a great putt across, makes a great two, and it's over. Justin didn't even get a shot at a second putt. Rachel, our rugbyer, who's originally from St. Paul, that is now based in Arizona, is our episode winner. Okay, we're on to the unnamed part of the episode where we talk about what we just saw on this week's Holy Moly. And I feel like it's really fitting. And I think this is going to be my role in all of the recaps is talking about the little things that you can see that they haven't shown you yet. If you look really closely behind Tess and Riggle, there's a hole that hasn't been previewed in that Vulture episode or anything where you can see a sign for the whole truth. I don't know what it is or how it plays, but it's something new. Good eye. <laughs> on top of that, if you want to know how nerdy we got, I saw Mount Holy Moly on one case of it covered in the snow, kind of bluish area. And then the other time it was the reddish, like it was set up for Polcano season four, question mark. As we know, they were both recorded at the same time. Saw Putt Bunyan. He was in there. And then I did see the sign also for the hole that I had mentioned I saw on social media with a foot that's called the foot wedge, which is a golf reference question mark. It definitely is, which leads me to believe there's going to be some form of kicking the golf ball. The foot I saw might be kicking the people, so we'll see. Maybe Uh, it's a bit of both. (laughs) Could be a bit of both. The thing is, is some of these new holes, we might not see them show up until the finale like we had with clowning around. And, you know, we only had log roll really close to the end in season one. So we'll see what happens. I also, uh, in 
Curry's vision for the future of mini golf. If you looked at the schematics, it had the schematics for both Parkade and the Donut Hole. Holes that we know are coming soon and they're sharing on social media, but they still haven't shared with us. So we're eager to see them. And I think we're going to see one of them next week. How about you? Anything you're thinking of, Pat? Um, well, I just liked they gave Curry a whole lot to do this episode. Um, I loved his crack about keeping your ideas to yourself because basically they suck. I mean, he's got some good deadpan, but this is the first time that I think he is actually given the description for how a hole works. And he did it for cornhole because usually that's either like mm. Tess or Jeannie who's doing mm-hmm. it. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, those were the couple, uh, I, I appreciated Riggle rocking out to the Alpenhorns and I actually did not know until Mr. Riggle explained it to us that the no apparent fear of death was a military term. Did you notice on King Parthur's court, they had shields. I don't even know if I mentioned that Rachel didn't get wet and get tossed in on King Parthur's court, but the way she had blocked the jousting little thing from the other night was she used her shield. I went back and watched episode two. They did not have shields. And you noted this. They they didn't sit side saddle this time around. I mean, it was infinitely easier this episode to stay on. So I don't know. We've talked about it before on on many episodes, the way filming gets done and adjusted and everything. So it'd be interesting to to see who's got some stories for us to to dig into behind that. But yep, notice both of those things. I loved all the costume characters. And I was going to say, honestly, the winner of the episode might have been the dolphin on King Parther's Court. That whole bit with Riggle and Tess might have been the best Riggle and Tess part of the season to date, too. They had some great stuff. The whole thing, yeah, with the um, the pen and like, I just love Tess finally just being like, I am a professional. <laughs> this is what I do. And taking it seriously, it was it was great. And then I, the, the Spalding Caddyshack eat the fake snow thing. I mean, it was just, it was perfect. They're at the height of their powers right now. All right, so last thing for me on this episode, I'm going to go into the Putting Penguin Power Ranking. So we now have our third winner, Rachel. Um, From last week, I had Jose and Blake as our one-two going in it. I did slot Rachel in as number three so far. She definitely is good at the obstacles, but until the last hole had some pretty questionable putting. So I think Jose who had really good obstacle awareness and good putting and Blake who had really good putting, I'm going to give them the edge one, two over Rachel at this point. So those are my top three through three episodes. And I'm going to close out with the whole story so far of season three and talking about what holes we've seen so far in three episodes, we've seen only 10 holes, seven holes this episode we've already seen still thinking there's at least 13 holes this season, maybe more. Big thing was that we saw both Ho Ho Hole and King Parther completed for the very first time, which then means we only have four holes that have not been completed. The fishing hole, which Rachel showed us is possible. Holy Matrimony, which I'm not sure anybody's going to pass. Hole number two, which we'll see if that happens. And I'm really curious to see if someone defeats the pecker. I think that one's a really interesting new hole that I talked about last week. And uh, the only hole that I mentioned previously, Agony of Defeat, you can't really defeat it. It's just uh, like this season's diving range. And you know what? Why don't I just go into design time with Mr. T on that note? Because we're going to be talking about Agony of Defeat. And we've seen it now twice, but for me, and I don't know about you, Pat, I think this is the first time that I've seen a hole where they use the theme of a ski jump. I've seen one. It was a Uh course in Vermont. 
and it's a place called Pizza Putt. I'm assuming it's still in business. Had a lot of interesting themed holes, but that that was the only one I saw where you started and putted up the top, and it was purposely made as a ski, ski slope. And if you think about all the sports-themed mini-golf holes that are out there, I've seen a number of basketball and hockey and football. You've seen a lot of different themed mini-golf holes, but ski jumping is one that they hadn't really done. And the whole premise of it where they're shooting people down on a chair with skis on it that are kind of floppy. The floppy skis, for some reason, remind me of the javelin scene in Revenge of the Nerds. I don't know why I thought of that, but I just love that scene. But it's it's more or less the same premise as diving range, except they're not having to do like a wild dive. It's just see who can get the furthest. I don't know if it's a skill thing. What I liked is they knew that they were getting them wet, so they gave them wetsuits as if they were going surfing. I also like the nice little addition. They put the little like sort of ski... I don't know what they call them, the little jersey on them that to fit with the theme. I did see the chairlift up on the top of the hole, as well as a pair of holy moly themed skis, which are cool. And then a snow person down on the other side of the putting area. On the putting area, Pat and I were talking about this before we went to record. It's been a little strange to see. So if you get the A position, you just have to take one jump and there's a backstop that you can use to get the ball to roll back to the cup. If you're in the B position, you have to jump over the other jump as well as take the jump of your own. There's two jumps. It's probably the best way to explain it. But in both episodes we've seen it, people have hit it hard enough where it goes flying out of bounds. I don't know if the backstop's really bad or if people are just overcompensating, but it's been really strange to see. The putting afterwards isn't a lot. I think with most holes on uh, this whole season, they're using different kinds of backstops that give people a different shot if they get stuck behind a berm that's kind of weird. So I like that they had that, but it's a pretty straightforward winter-themed hole. It works really well, you know, next to Ho Ho Hole. And they, you can see that on the course on some of those establishing shots that it's there. Those of you that have seen Slip and Putt in the past seasons in both the U.S. and Australia, I'm assuming this is sort of the replacement for it. Or it's the replacement for diving range and they just wanted to mix it up. And of course, how can I forget, we have the Alpenhorns, which we mentioned last episode, that they're actually on a mini golf course out in Connecticut that Pat plays regularly called Matterhorn. So smart theming. Theme works really well for winter. New additions, new obstacle. Doesn't seem to be a hole where they're putting some of the better putters in the world, but we're enjoying seeing it a lot. And look at us. We're already at the end of this episode. So we're on to Big Thoughts Mini Golf. We all learned a great lesson from this episode's putting podcaster, Avery. In the game of mini golf, anyone can best their opponent on a single hole. If you win, take the small victory and channel momentum to a great game or victory over the people in whatever tournament you're playing in, including Holy Moly. If you fall behind a hole, put it behind you knowing there are more opportunities to sink long putts and aces ahead. While putting is considered the short game, the strong mental game will help you go the distance. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt when ready. Nice. Are we going to have to do a podcast now that's called Why Suck at Mini Golf if either of us ever get back on Holy Moly and lose? Uh Uh-oh. I don't know.